Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We come your way every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We podcast at those, uh, at well, I should say we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes. Tune in Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and a whole bunch of other locations on the internet. We are thankful and grateful to those who have uh, reposted our interviews, our programs, our conversations. I like to refer to them as such. Uh, the only thing that's missing missing in these conversations, I should say two things. One is a personal, uh, in-person conversation, which we used to do some years ago. Uh, and uh, with that, there would go along maybe a little a little fireplace and just quiet, soft little music and just a nice chat about the conversations that we have here on the program. We uh, are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And who knows, maybe one of these days I'll incorporate uh, a fireplace or something in the background. Who knows? Uh, in the meantime, we also uh, hope that uh, you will spend time during this, the decade of perfect vision, uh, going within uh, and being quiet in that still, quiet, peaceful, calm place and listening to that still small voice. We also uh, hope that if you can support us financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We uh, have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And uh, with all of the preliminaries out of the way, we now move on to our conversation with our very special guest. And I say that every week, that's because every one of our guests is very special. They, they take the time out of their day to spend it with us, uh, sharing their ideas, their thoughts, uh, their theories, their uh, uh, inspirations, if you will. And in this case, it is quite inspiring. Our special guest is another reverend, uh, along with yours truly, Reverend Terry Allen Christian. And uh, he has put together a book uh, that is rather interesting. It reminds me of a, a programmer I'll share about later on in the program when I was working uh, for a Christian radio station. Uh, and uh, Terry, uh, uh, Reverend, uh, welcome to the program. It's really a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Uh, you have written a book. You have put this together. It's called What Did Jesus Say? The Seven Messages from the Master. Uh, and I have to say that um, though there were rabbis who came before him and rabbis who have come after him, I must acknowledge uh, uh, the the uh, incredible um, <clears throat> appreciation I have for many of the guests I've had on this program who have been uh, rabbis for the level of study uh, and the intricacies. But you've done uh, your own study uh, and intricacies, uh, if you will. Because you've sort of uh, followed the path of another, I will say, good friend of mine, who I'm sure by now has passed on. He had to be in his 70s or 80s back in the 1980s when I used to produce his program back in Phoenix. His name was Clyde Freeman. And uh, he would only deal with, from the scriptures, thus saith the Lord scriptures. Uh, in the King James Version, New Testament, it was only those words in red. And in the Old Testament, it was only those passages that were quoted from 
God, if you will. Thus saith the Lord's scriptures, as he put it. Uh, he would be more, and and I think one of my favorite phrases of his was, "My mind is closed to the point that it remains open to consider anybody's uh, conversation and and ideas and so forth." Uh, and but he was a stickler for the "Thus saith the Lord" scriptures, and you've kind of done the same thing here uh, from the New Testament specifically. I have a. Matter of fact, I think it was the very first Bible that was given to me back in 1980, I don't know, maybe 84, 85. I still have it. A gentleman by the name of Reverend Harley Howard there in Phoenix, Arizona. It was a red letter edition, and I've got it all marked up and highlighted and all this kind of stuff. And I've often found it interesting um, the way some of these terms and words have been translated and then here we are in the 21st century, uh, uh, Reverend, and uh, we got people who still are confused. They're still trying to figure out what, what's being said. Uh, and, and maybe we'll get into a little of that. But I want to get into this aspect of uh, the seven messages uh, that uh, um, uh, from the master, the seven messages. Can you uh, kind of uh, uh, synopsize what those seven messages are? Sure, I'll do the best I can, and I'll say thank you for the way you articulated that that interview, I mean, that concept about the red letters and this individual you spoke about, which I have never met before, but I do understand exactly what he's saying and why he's saying it. Mm -hmm. Now, the premise is that whatever I've said in this book comes right out of the four Gospels of the King James Version Bible, New King James it's only the red letters. It's only what Jesus said to those who loved and followed them. There's no religious arguments going on. I've added no uh, personal opinions. I've added no comments. I've been blessed to have been guided to compose it. And so, therefore, whatever Jesus said about the Christ and coming from heaven, it's in message one called the Christ. Everything he said about the Father and Son in all four Gospels, it's composed into a story called the Father and Son. Whatever he said about being the word and the word and the sower of the word, it's all in message three called the word. Now, we have heard WWJD, what would Jesus do? We've seen that all around the world. They've done yeah. 50 million copies of the books. I believe WDJS, what did Jesus say? Answers, finally answers, WWJD. As soon as you know what, what Jesus said, Mm -hmm. You'll know what he would do because mm -hmm. he was consistent. He didn't add opinions. There was no variables. It was a constant. So when he talked about love, light, and truth, and mercy, and no judgment, and marriage, and divorce, and fasting, and prayer, and brotherhood, and discipleship, these were all meaningful subjects he spoke about. And they're all in message four called, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Over 40 subjects Jesus spoke about is clearly revealed in this segment. And if Jesus said it, he didn't need to write three pages. He might have said two sentences. If you pray believing, you will receive. Now, how much more dialogue than do you need than that? If you pray believing, if you pray fearful, if you pray scared, if you pray not, that's not relevant. Right. So now in message five, it's called the kingdom of heaven. So everything he said about the kingdom of heaven, the parables, the stories, is composed in that message. Number six is the end times. All that he talked about, the end times, eloquently composed, I'm told, inside that message six. And then comes message seven, the Holy Spirit. 
everything he said about it. Now, when it's all done, I end message seven on Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go and make disciples of the world, teaching them to obey what I said. I mean, we can't get more specific than that. Mm. And then I end the seven messages on what on John 17, the entirety of John 17, where Jesus prays not for the world. He prays for his disciples, now his apostles will impact the world and will believe in their words, not other people's words, in Mm -hmm. their words about him. So now this book is based on a group of believers at the beach waiting for Jesus to show up and appear. And then all of a sudden in message one, he shows up and appears and they start walking down the beach. And at the end of each message, he'll either turn around and and rest or he'll continue on and we'll follow him so the audio book matches the ebook paperback kindle version and in the audio book you'll hear the ocean music and seagulls as we're walking down the beach with a voiceover that talks about early morning sunrise to the sunset at the end of the day and in an hour and 15 minutes you have embraced and, and, and brought into you 500 scriptures spoken by jesus without any opinions or comments from me that would cause you to think about anybody else but your walk with Jesus. Mm. That's how pure it is. You know, one of the first things, and I mentioned uh, rabbis uh, who are Mm -hmm. um, uh, teachers uh, within Judaism. And one of the things that has struck me, uh, and I, I don't know how you feel about this. And again, I when I say this, I mean no disrespect. Uh, I, I preface most everything I say by saying this is this is for me. This is my perspective for me. I'm not putting this on anyone else. Jesus never, ever asked anybody to convert to anything. And that and to that end, if I was going to be. I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm saying if I was going to be a follower of Jesus, I certainly wouldn't be a Christian because Jesus wasn't a Christian. He was a Jew. Ergo, I would follow the teachings of Jesus, but I would be a Jew. Would I be wrong in that? Well, let's ponder that for a quick moment. Sure. He was much more than Jewish. He was beyond Jewish. Mm-hmm. He came and straightened them out. He came and told them how they were using it in an injustice way. He didn't say, follow the Jewish customs. He said, follow me. Right. I mean, that's the major key. He quoted from the Ten Commandments, but he didn't quote from the other 600 laws that was added to it. True. Let's just keep it in that perspective. So being Christian, according to how Apostle Peter tells the story. I'm not much of a Paul fan, and I can honestly, lovingly say that with all due respect, okay? (laughs) I I just, I can. I was compelled to read all of his epistles in one day. I did it twice because I could not believe all that I read in one day Mm. when I read everything Paul said. So I try to keep it up close and personal. I know what Jesus said. I know he told his apostles what to say, and I know what John and Peter said, and I know those two are very in line with what Jesus said. And in their epistles, the first thing they declare is, we walked with the Lord. This is no story. We're telling you how it is. Hmm. Jesus was not Jewish. If we look at him through the eyes, we are trained and pushed to look at him through the eyes of the legalistic, the laws, and all Mm -hmm. these other things. Mm -hmm. Jesus never spoke about that. He said, 
follow me, do what I say, be my disciple, you're mm-hmm. my sheep. He mm-hmm. didn't say nada, nada about the Jewish religion that I found. And of course, when I speak of it in this context, I'm not necessarily saying that we should follow the Jewish traditions. I'm just saying he was born a Jew. Whether he was a practicing Jew, I don't know, because there's nothing in there uh, in the in the New Testament about that. But I do know that he was born a Jew. That was his lineage is is all I'm saying. And and that's 100 percent true. Yeah, but we're talking about what he said. Yes, and what yes. he did, mm-hmm. and not how he was raised. Because at twelve, according to one little story, at twelve he was already leagues ahead of the people he was talking to. Exactly. So we can't narrow him, narrow him down when yeah. he's saying in message three on the word it says, "I speak for my father." Whatever mm-hmm. he tells me to say, mm-hmm. I say. Exactly. Now that's pretty intense yeah. direct dialogue. We're talking with Reverend Terry Allen Christian, and we are talking about his latest work. Uh, it is, um, well, the acronym would be WDJS. <laughs> what did Jesus say? And you, my friends, are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I am Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for being with us here on the program as we talk with uh, Reverend uh, Christian. By the way, is Christian your given name, your given surname? Yes, it is. And for those that want to get personal, it's on my passport. It's on my text number. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, divine arrangement. I will. I will say it's divine arrangement. But that's as far as I'll go. It's very. I think it's uh, interesting. And I don't say coincidence. I say it's very coincidental. Yeah. Okay. Very coincidental. Okay. Um, there's okay. a, another aspect of the things that Jesus did and said I'm curious about. And of course, I don't know if you went into uh, any of these in any of the, the seven uh, messages. Uh, but he spoke to his disciples uh, when they marveled at the things that he did, the miracles that he performed. And they wanted to know if they could do these too, almost like asking a magician so could you teach me uh, how to how to do that trick? And his response was, this? You got to be kidding me. This? This is nothing. The works you are going to do are going to be even greater than this. And I have sort of concluded with my own personal search and reading since I was 17, that the greater work is the transformation of one's life into a life that is that, that is uh, living, shall we say, on purpose. What are your thoughts in that regard? And what does, uh, what does the master say in, in the writings in terms of uh, that aspect of those greater works that we shall do? Well, I think you articulated it once again very well, the way he said you will do greater works than deny because I go to the Father. Therefore, we're, he's cooperating w- with us because we're cooperating with him. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, I do think that what you said is the expansion of the ability to transform your life forevermore and live on purpose with a purpose for a purpose. That specifically happened to me at 23 years old in a near-death experience. And in this dream, I dreamed I died. And next thing you know, I'm in this 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 heavenly state and I see this light and I hear this voice and I identify it that it's Jesus from how I'm raised by my mom with the red letter edition. I heard his <laughs> voice. I saw the light. And he said, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay here and go or go back? 
I said, well, what would happen if I went back? And he said, you would speak for me. And next thing you know, I'm in front of thousands of people. Now, this may be, you know, ego centered for some people, but I was a dropout of high school. I stuttered so bad I couldn't say five words in a row. I left a violently dysfunctional family. This was a wake up call at 23 for me. By the time I was 30, I'd read several hundred books. I became a motivational speaker. By the time I was 48, I did 2,500 speeches throughout Canada and America. The Lord called me away. He actually called me away at 46 to do a 46-day fast, one day per year of my life. And I did that. And he called me away at 49 to leave everything and walk away, which I did. And now here I am 21 years later speaking to you about something that I've devoted my entire life to and -hmm. never once regretted it and never once was upset with God ever. I've, um, I personally have been through my own, as we all have our own challenges from, from Mm -hmm. the time I arrived here 63 years ago, almost 63 years ago. And, um, and here I am today talking with you. And uh, very much aware uh, that we are, uh, each one of us is unique, but each one of us is identical. And I say that from this context, not that we're all human. No, we all experience the exact same emotions. The intensities might be a little higher or lower, but it's the stories behind the emotions that makes us unique. And that's why we share them, uh, hopefully to help other people through their challenges as well. But I noticed that in the New Testament, when Jesus is described as expressing emotion, and again, these are not uh, what Jesus said. These are observations of others of Jesus. Uh, I, I see where Jesus wept. I see where he got angry, where he was stern, where he was the teacher. He was compassionate. But, you know, there's one emotion I don't see anywhere in the New Testament where he that they say he ever expressed unless i'm just missing it somewhere or it's in a folded page that that i didn't uh, unfold i never see anywhere or read anywhere where he laughed where he was happy and joyful i i, I just uh, maybe joyful maybe from the standpoint where he he uh, uh, might have uh, uh, uh you know helped someone to see or hear or walk, what have you, or in Lazarus case, raised him from the dead. Maybe there was a a certain element of joy in that, ah, I was able to through the father, blah, blah, blah. You know, you see what I'm saying? And it's like, that's one of our emotions. And I keep, I kept hearing uh, in in the 15 years I worked for the Christian radio station, uh, Terry, that he went through everything we went through. That's how, you know, that's what the sacrifice was about. He went through everything that we went through. <laughs> I don't see any place where he he laughed, where he was happy, where he enjoyed well, uh, his, you know, uh, helping as, me to as understand you're me, As you're telling me this story, I'm imagining uh, what must have went on when he when they tried to tell the children to stay away from him. And he said, bring the children here. Let them come to me. Yeah, come to me I, as little I, children. I, 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 yeah, but he was talking about children at that. Yes, time. yes, yes. They were there, real children. So I want to imagine, I want to allow him to smile as he told the older people, back away, let the kids come to me. Yeah. I want to imagine that. Now, I identify 
absolutely with what you're saying because there seems to be the way the stories are written you have to look for some humanity in his divinity mm -hmm. in many ways so what really took me by surprise and i'll just throw this out here because we're allowed to do this was when i watched this series called the chosen and i watched those those the series and i saw the humanity i saw some conversational situations that yeah. are so easier to accept and understand than what we see in black and white describing what is said in red. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, so I just know that, you know, that, that there have to, that, that he had to be mad, sad and glad, but how we acted on it. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's a different scenario. So I become mad, sad and glad, but I've just learned how to act on purpose instead of react with a later apology. Mm-hmm. That's all. So I, I do, I do agree with that. Yeah, Reverend Terry Allen Christian is my guest. What did Jesus say? And this is the seven messages from the Master. And you're listening to and watching. Tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is a pleasure to have uh, Reverend Terry Allen Christian with us here on the program. One of the other areas that I always find interesting, and I, I enjoy these kinds of conversations because it helps me to to better understand sometimes when I get a perspective from someone else. And uh, what's nice is I've got you here to, to, to sort of bounce these things off of. And I, uh, I've often said it, I said it this way, that the New Testament would be a whole lot shorter if the people in that day, in Paul's day, had just gotten the message. See, we would have the four Gospels, probably still have the book of Acts, and maybe even the book of Revelation, but we wouldn't have all these blasted letters Absolutely. Uh, where Absolutely. they didn't get it. They Absolutely. just, uh, and I think Absolutely. my favorite, uh, a favorite one, uh, and I, I'm not book, chapter, verse kind of guy here, but what right. I do remember yeah. reading was where uh, the explanation was given over the argument over, well, they are doing this and they shouldn't be doing that. Uh, and yet uh, they don't seem to have a problem with it, uh, but we do. We don't think that that's right to do. And the response by Paul was, well, here's the deal. You don't think they should be doing it? Fine. Then they shouldn't be doing it in front of you. If they think it's okay for them to do, they, they can do that. Just don't flaunt it in front of you or vice versa. Don't you flaunt it in front of others. Just because you think it's right, you're basically undermining their faith is what you're doing. And, and you're, you're, there's, there's a, I'm sure there's a, a commandment in there somewhere. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, know, it's let like, me throw it out. Let me throw yeah. it back at you. Yeah, okay. let, sure. Let's just, let's, let's dip into some hypocrisy. Okay. Uh, sure. Absolutely. In the, in the epistles from Paul in Galatians. Now this experience is long after Damascus, which is what people don't want to talk about. Right. This is his first writing. He says, I've been in Arabia for three years. I got my own message now given to me directly with no fellowship with the Lord's apostles whatsoever. This is this is mine. Any and any mocks or attacks, whoever disagrees. And then he jumps on Apostle Peter behind his back. He's not even in the room. And he tells his audience in Galatians how Peter was disrespectful because he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. He ate with the Jews. And he makes this whole story up in Galatians, which at the moment in this location sound really horrendous. And But let's just leap from there to 
Acts 15, 7, where Peter stands up in front of the council and Paul's there and he says, the good Lord chose me many way ago to teach the Gentiles. Now, Paul's in the room, so Peter just already said that God chose Peter for the Gentiles. That's 15, 7. Now, here comes Acts 1, and I'm going to stop right there so we don't get carried away. The opening of Acts 1, we never hear from Peter again after Acts 15, because Luke traveled with Paul, and that's all, okay? So in Acts 16, the first thing we hear is Paul meets Timothy. First thing he did with Timothy was have him circumcised as an adult, turns Timothy into his disciple. Now, who wouldn't follow you if you got circumcised as an adult? Now, they just got through at 15.7, Acts 15.7, where they said circumcision wasn't necessary. Mm -hmm. So would you rather be circumcised or have dinner with the Jews one night when they showed up in town and then go back to the Gentiles. I'll go with the latter. <laughs> I think so too. So what we're not looking at when we're teaching the scripture, we're teaching about Jesus instead of the teaching from Jesus. Yeah, And yeah. that's why we have the Catholic church versus the Orthodox versus the Protestants and the Protestants mm -hmm. versus the Protestants. Okay. And it's pathetic, if not ungodly. Yeah, I would agree with you in that respect. I really would, uh, because that wasn't the message that that he brought. That was not, not the message. Did. Now, there's there, there's an interesting uh, uh, you you actually uh, referred to this uh, in one of the uh, this is part of one of the messages uh, where um, and I'm only paraphrasing a portion of this. Uh, maybe I'm reading <laughs> it correctly, and that is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am in the Old Testament. The I am, the phrase I am is used over and over and over again. Who is that? That's God. So I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then it's God, not the personality of the Christ, of, of Jesus. And that well, that, that seems like a big, that's a big assumption right there. He's in dialogue saying, I am the way. I mean, that's the word he could have said. Maybe it's I am with that, you know, an apostrophe, maybe it's sure. just, I am and not, I am, I, I am, I don't know. Yeah. But if he See, says, that's, I am the way and the yeah. truth and the life, why do we have to add an opinion to a basic profound statement? Oh, but the, he said, but, I but, came from heaven. My father yeah. sent me. Why do we have to yeah. complicate it with what we think it is versus what we say, what it said it is? That's uh, all. Well, I, and I get, I get your point. I do. Yeah. But the same, same thing comes through when we're talking about Lazarus, for example, that I mentioned earlier. Okay. Paul says right. it is appointed to every man once to die, then the judgment. Mm. I go back to where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Was Lazarus okay. dead or was Paul wrong? That it I isn't appointed. Uh, or was, La you know, you know, go ahead. Look, Paul, Paul said, I have become all things to all people to win them over. And I've even lied to some. So therefore, he, Paul's the only one in the scripture that says, this is my opinion. Mm -hmm. You can't have something that's specifically unwavering the scripture of God right. and have someone say in it, this is my opinion. Whether yeah. it's from God or not, I don't know. Yeah, I call that honesty. I'm not yeah. against Paul at all. Yeah. I'm just not for it any more than I'm against the Pope. I'm not for the Pope. I'm not against it. That's between them and Jesus, not yeah. me. Exactly. I always found that interesting too uh, when I would get challenged by some of the ministers there at the uh, Christian church, uh, Christian radio station. Right. I had this happen. No kidding. 
where they said to me quite stern, rather emphatically, Richard, I don't think you're ready to meet God. I don't think you're saved. Uh, and, <laughs> and I just, I'm going, well, wait a minute. Wasn't it just five minutes ago? You said it was a personal relationship, a personal relationship, which means that's between me and God. I'm not, you know, after, I'm not, after I got after I got around Jimmy Swaggart and after I got around Oral Roberts, yeah. after I was inter, after I was interviewed on Richard Roberts show. Mm -hmm. And then as I got around the other high profiles, people from uh, it's, it's just, I know they're all troublematic and they're all problematic mm -hmm. and they're all heading into hearing that voice where Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord goes to heaven, mm -hmm. <laughs> but those that did what my father said. Yeah, I really feel for that because I think the masses in Christianity have been so far misled that they're in a feel-good religion mm -hmm. instead of anything that has good works in it. They have good feelings in it because they've listened to sound bites and they're primarily hypnotized and mesmerized. I would That's agree all. with you. Yeah, and and it's now uh, it's now overflowed, if you will, uh, into our okay. into our politics here in the United States. And I thank I am thankful. I am thankful that you, my friend, <laughs> living where you are, are somewhat spared from some of this. And, uh, uh, you know, I wish that I was living uh, uh, in Jamaica or preferably Ireland. I'll be honest with you. The island of Ireland okay. uh, is where I'd prefer to be uh, turning off uh, all of the technology and just enjoying being around the people and nature and and helping people doing what i can uh to help them out we're talking with reverend tim allen christian and his book his latest work uh, which i think is fascinating i think it's something you're going to want to get your hands on through his website what did jesus say and <clears throat> it is the seven messages from the master and this is tell me your story the website that we want you to go to uh, to uh, find out more about uh, what did Jesus say is what just what did Jesus say dot world. That's right. What did Jesus say dot world. It's all one word. And uh, we will be linked to that website. I want to ask you a question in regards to your 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 near death experience, because I've talked with a number of people who have either near death who've had either near death experiences or out of body experiences, which I, I kind of look at as the same thing. And it, it raises that simple question that uh, some might ask you, were you clinically, scientifically, medically dead? No, no. Okay. Uh, to me, you know, the near-death experience outside of that meaningful, specific uh, square that you that box you put it in, that specific statement, mm -hmm. that that uh, near-death experience in many ways is a metaphor of the of the crossroads of life and death, mm. and only the person who's there knows what that means. Yeah, if somebody has a, a gun to their head and they pull the trigger and it doesn't go off. Is that called a near-death experience? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not, that's not my association, but I'm saying that's an example. Right. No, okay, I get you. So in that, in that becomes a defining moment. Mm -hmm. Now, other people with near-death experiences, clinically, there seems to be a lot of medical opinions about what goes on through the brain <laughs> in the mind yeah. in this moment. 
So I'll leave that to that debate. There's books on that. Well, I'll tell you, it is uh, a question that I know a lot of people uh, are are asking because more and more people, uh, uh, they are actually clinically, medically, scientifically dead. And I yeah. often uh, have asked this question, don't you think if we want to decide to determine when life begins, shouldn't we know first when life ends? Because if we know those parameters uh, in that, as you put it, that box, um, then well, we better understand that uh, from the from I can the sure appreciate I can sure appreciate you saying that because when I was fifty nine and and I started passing blood and I went to see the doctor and they put their cameras in me and they took look look at my bladder and they said this is the worst case of bladder cancer I've ever seen. And I oh, looked wow. at it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a beautiful bladder filled with coral. I thought this was God's way of cleaning out your bladder. <laughs> <laughs> he said, tumor, tumor, cancer, cancer. It was filled with it. Yeah. And so therefore, uh, to me, that was an experience. Yeah. Now out of that, that's a near death experience. When he says you got three years to five years to live at most, unless you let us take your bladder out and put it on your outside your body. Mm. That changes your whole life. Yeah, Jesus said in some areas, prayer and fasting is the only way to remove this illness. So I read everything Jesus said on 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 healing in the four Gospels. I read everything everybody did to get the healing. I mean, including the woman with twelve years of blood, including the one that came down through the ceiling. Okay, mm -hmm. I read it all. Yeah, and came to Negril on a twenty-one day sabbatical and did prayer fasting, read everything Jesus said. And when I went back to the VA, the next month, they released me cancer free. Now wow. I know, I know what happened. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was there and mm -hmm. love healed it. And my obedience to do what Jesus said mm -hmm. helped. A lot of people don't know there was a, in Jesus's own town, he couldn't heal everybody there. That was in that's in the Gospel of Mark. He couldn't heal everybody because their faith wasn't right. Now let's yes. just put that in perspective. This is Jesus, and he mm -hmm. still couldn't do it if you wasn't cooperating. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's just put it in perspective mm -hmm. so we can be mm -hmm. more cooperative and obedient to love. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so it, it is, changed it, my life. Well, uh, well, sure. It not only changed your life; it extended your life because you've been, <laughs> you, you've now been. Uh, what is it? Twelve years. Well, it's tw twelve years later. My daughter and I laugh about it all the time. She did tell me back then. She said, "Dad, you know that doctor said he this is the worst case he's ever seen." And I said, "Yes." Now she was raised by me as a motivational speaker. So she said, Dad, let's keep in mind, he was a young doctor. He hasn't seen that many cancers yet. And I said, That's some good feedback. I appreciate it. But <laughs> she wanted me, she wanted me to get the operation. And she said she would take care of me no matter what happened. Right. And I said, Carrie, with the bladder on the outside of my body, it's not the same. And I love you, but I don't love you that much. And I would not <laughs> you would not like what I become nursing the bag on me every day. Yeah. Yeah. And as it turned out, that's true, because I've met many people compromised by that. So to me, I believe in the divine healing, but I believe you have to get in front of it. You have to come through the roof of the ceiling. You have to mm -hmm. fight through the crowd and touch his robe. you got to want to. You've got to hear his voice and holler out, I'm over here, I'm over here. you got to want to do it to get yeah. healed. He's yeah. not going to come knocking on your door like an Avon lady to see who needs help in that house today. Yeah. So if you're on your couch of discontent, odds are you won't get off it. Yeah. 
You know, I often think about uh, uh, that analogy, if you will, of touching the hem of his garment. And the one person at the very beginning of his um, post-tomb phase, the one person who recognized who he was right away, I personally feel that if there were to be a head of the church, it would have been her, not him. And the way I, I the way I sort of paraphrase the that that uh, <laughs> encounter, Mary Magdalene recognized who he was, and she wanted to touch the hem of his garment, right? And he said, "No, no, 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 no." Now, the subtext there, not in the word, not in there, it was, "No, no, don't touch it. The paint isn't dry just yet. I just rose from the dead, and it's not. I'm not. I'm not finished yet." <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but I find it so interesting. That when the men came along, it was like a group of guys saying, oh, man, we just lost our best friend to crucifixion. Can you point us in the direction of the nearest pub so we can knock back a, a an honorary blow for, for him, you know, to, to raise a glass in his honor? They didn't recognize well, who he was. I, I think, according to that story, the night before, they're, they're up in the upper room scared to death, okay? And so she's yeah. up in the morning finding out what goes on. She finds out what goes on, goes, runs back and tells everybody they don't really want to open up the door. No, no. Okay. So therefore it's the diligence of, of Mary Magdalene that touches the heart that we're both speaking about. If it wasn't for the women, the churches would be even more empty. Yes. And if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Paul's Jewish teaching against women, it would be filled with women pastors and preachers who probably do a better job than the men because they have to deal with it and would tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth and be that example themselves. I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) There's a, (laughs) there's a great country song and the line in it. It has to do with this gentleman who's singing to his mother and basically says, uh, just wanted to let you know, mom, that all those prayers you said for me, well, they finally came around. You know, that you, you know, basically you didn't pray in vain. Uh, and I, I like that song. And I kind of feel uh, I'm not saying that that my mother uh, was one praying for me, per se, although she was praying for all six of us uh, just just to make sure that we were all happy and healthy and doing well in our lives as individuals. Um, and uh, of course, now we're praying for her because she's lost her husband and of almost 66 years and. But wow. she's she's now, at least for the short term, she's thriving. She's on a little vacation. She's gone down to visit one of her sisters who's still alive with his husband and their boys and daughters and grandchildren uh, and so forth. I mean, it's uh, it's great to, that she is now getting out and about uh, because she took care of my dad for a long time. And, uh, you know, and it's it's uh, it's one of those things now where I think about her as well as him uh, quite often. I'm curious as to uh, that particular experience uh, in terms of, well, let's keep it in a general sense, in in terms of the grieving process, not necessarily the loss of someone, just the loss of whatever it is, a job, uh, you know, a home, et cetera, et cetera. How does what what uh, what advice or I shouldn't say advice, but what advice? inspiration or what have you does jesus give us 
in his own words well, in regards to uh, the grieving well let's try to keep something in perspective okay number one god god knows if we trust that god knows our heart if we trust god is omnipresent omniscient if we trust god knows all things then we must take this grief in this pain to God in prayer, knowing God knows it, asking God what's in it for you. What can you do to make a difference? Who can you help? Seek and understand it. Now, if he was in my motivational class, I would say, you must learn to discipline your disappointments daily before they diminish your dreams. Mm -hmm. But whatever we're going through, we can't stay in it. We must go through it. Mm -hmm. and, and everything I've gone through, right when the book was ready to be released, the cancer is over with, the book just come out. I had emergency throat surgery and couldn't talk for three years on camera. I lost my Hollywood smile. Now, did God know it? Yeah. Did I know it? Yeah. The one thing that I know that Job didn't know, I had to go read the book of Job to get perspective. <laughs> the one thing that I know that Job didn't know was I knew God allowed Job to be tested for whatever reason. That's another seminar to mm -hmm. go through. God allowed me to be tested to validate the dedication of what I'm doing with this book, because never before has a book like this been written. Mm -hmm. We started off talking about the rabbi. Mm -hmm. One of the inner, one of the best interviews I've got was from a messianic rabbi, Jewish Christian, who praised the book for its purity. And then two days later, I have a book interview with an evangelical pastor. Now we're talking, we're talking two different highways here. Yes, <laughs> and he talked about he talked about how pure the book was. Mm. without opinions mm -hmm. that's what uh, the lord told me to do he said tell him what i told him and nothing more and i did that yeah and we're all going to be held accountable for those of us who have this in our belief system based on what jesus said it's not going to be based on the bible what the bible said because we don't have any influence over the old testament we we manufactured the new and certified it and threatened whoever disagreed with us right. so therefore if it wasn't for what jesus said in the four gospels in the book of revelation the new testament would have absolutely no value whatsoever mm. it would just be another story is there is there at all from your perspective, any kind of discussion over translation from the original uh, the original <laughs> languages. And here's the reason I, I raised that. I was watching a short uh, uh, on YouTube where this one gentleman was talking about <clears throat> uh, the commandment, thou shalt not kill. And he says, actually, that word uh, is not kill in the generic sense. It's murder. Thou shalt not murder. And I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute, hold it. This book's been around for 2,000 years. It's been translated over and over and over again. And the word kill has always been put in that commandment. If it meant murder, why wasn't the word murder put in the translation? So my question to you is, notwithstanding the value, the importance of your book, what Jesus, what did Jesus say? Are we certain that in the English translation, that's what he said as translated from the original languages, for that matter, what he actually spoke? Okay, we could spend what little time we have left analyzing and paralyzing that whole metaphor, that whole concept. Okay. 
So I had to take the highest common denominator Mm -hmm. of the Bibles, and that was the King James Version, the highest common denominator. Mm -hmm. I've seen everybody attack each version, and I've seen them deal with just exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, we have got to trust the Holy Spirit once we take the highest common denominator of the information. Now, to me, the highest common denominator is Matthew and John's gospel, because we know they walked with Jesus and were witnesses. Somehow, they are absolute like a bookend. We know that the epistles from Peter and John, uh, we know based on their declaration, they walked with Jesus as witnesses. We know Luke wrote what he heard people say, not what he witnessed them do. So therefore, we have to find ourselves in the purity. Most everybody else is following the organized religion view. Mm-hmm. And so 90% of the Christians, when asked, said they never read all four Gospels. 50% of the marriages in Christianity are divorced. Well, the highest common denominators is the primary interest I try to stress Uh, This bothers some people because they say, if you don't believe in it all, you can't believe in any of it. If you just believe in part, this is the religious uh, where they try to just indoctrinate you in this. Whoever goes to the hypnotist shows can really realize what goes on in churches and why when you go home, you're just like you were the day before you went to church. Okay, Mm -hmm. you just have to go to enough hypnotist classes. So but the more you understand what Jesus said, the more his words are in your mind the better the Holy Spirit will guide you to do the right thing because you're not trying to do the Bible thing. You're not trying to do the Paul thing, the Catholic thing, the Orthodox thing, the Baptist thing, the Pentecostal thing. You're doing the Jesus thing and it's filled with love, light, and truth. Anything short of that is a hypocrisy. And if I'm understanding you correctly, your way of doing the Jesus thing is not necessarily my way because we're individuals and he has a different plan for each one of us. Absolutely. But how we're going to do it, our attitudinal behavior Mm -hmm. should have a high consistency, a dependability together, a unity together. Yes. Because the first thing our fellowship allows us to do is discuss our differences with love and our similarities with our differences with respect and mm-hmm. our similarities with love. We're not going to cram it down each other's throat because that way we're not going to learn anything and experience exactly. anything. Exactly. And that's what's going on in today's time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I have an interview scheduled with someone who's uh, written a book in that in that regard that, uh, you know, in terms of civility, in terms of actually listening. Yeah. I, I, I remember reading too in uh, uh, that that it says in the Bible, it says, uh, let us come together. Let us come and reason together. How do you do that? What do you use? What is the tool you use to reason together? It's the brain. It's the brain that you use to reason together. Yes, I would agree with you, you know, guided, say, by the by the spirit and so forth. Uh, but as long as we continue uh, this this uh, chaotic, I'm right, you're wrong, and it doesn't matter what you say. Right. That's right. We're we're not going to get anywhere, and you know we can we can kiss our civilization goodbye. Well, you and I have lived long enough, and I've lived longer than you, so I can assure you that we are seeing things that are so embarrassing to us in America, uh, and it's such a, a deep hypocrisy of who we say we are. One of the things that has struck me, and and again, I I say this um, with with. 
with a bit of of sorrow in my heart over these in- incidents that are happening that what i'm finding is the people who want to be right right now in this country will use the phrase i've heard this and it disgusts me to hear the phrase that the children are our future but unfortunately they don't believe that that guns and bullets are our future forget the children I tell you, if I had a child, I'd be pulling them out of public or private, whatever school. I wouldn't let them go to church. I would train them up at home because even in the Old Testament, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that's a double-edged sword, believe it or not, because when you see adults behaving the way they are, consider how they were raised. And then think about it from the other end, the child. Are you going to raise the child up so that they behave like and act like and speak like these people who you can see that this is not this this is raising them to have the freedom to be yourself, to speak out, to speak up, to speak loud. Yeah. uh, And and have the freedom, the the individuality. And if we're all so individual, we're not going to collectively communicate. Yeah. So we are in issues of great deep. Yeah. And I've heard it said yeah. too, uh, 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 Terry, that you know the, for example, in in our our documents, uh, the founding documents, whether you want to use the preamble, the con- the the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution, uh, it says in there, uh, uh, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more more perfect uh, union, uh, to establish justice, ensure domestic domestic tranquility, but this is the one that kicks me in the head. And um, how does the uh, to ensure domestic tranquility uh, promote the general welfare and this one and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and who who are they our posterity forget about the rest of it because oh, so it's basically what you said. We have so focused on individuality, we've forgotten about our posterity. We've forgotten about our future. Now, they, the people who are into their individualism, they seem to say, oh, no, we want to preserve this for generations then to come. Then we're going to trim ourselves to suit the lowest common denominators. Yeah. And it's sad. And that's what's happening. That's what's ha- happening right now. Yeah. Okay. But in religion, it's the same thing. So yeah. between religion and politics, they're both. They're both yeah. doing the same thing. Do you do you often think back on your childhood, how you were raised? I, I do it quite often. Uh, and I think about, I th- I'm saddened, not because of the childhood I had, by no means, but yeah. because the children of today will never experience what I did. And I experienced an amazing, incredible, wonderful childhood and, and teen years. Um, we weren't afraid. We sometimes didn't lock our doors, which usually is a uh, a phrase that's often used. We never locked our doors. Sure, uh, yeah. we, we the ice cream man. We didn't have to fear the ice cream man. God, I loved it. We would find whatever coins we could to get yeah. get that bomb pop. We you didn't fear around. you didn't fear uh, trick or treat either. You know, Halloween. Yeah. You didn't. You know, you rode. We rode our bicycles. 
we rode our bicycles all through the neighborhoods. We would play uh, at twilight in the in the evening. We would play our version of hide and seek, um, okay. and so forth. And when it was time to come home, you might hear someone yell out, "Hey, it's time to come come in for dinner," or you know what have you. Right. Uh, yeah. And we would go in uh, because, not but not anymore. And and it's like wow. And and <laughs> this one just hit me. And yes, we ate dirt. Yes. And we didn't have the ailments that they have today. Uh, but that's that's another story for another time. Uh, and I, I'm just, you know, it, it it's like, boy, I wish they could experience that, that that level of you want to talk about freedom and liberty. That was freedom and liberty uh, for a child, for a young adult, yeah. a young person. Um, well. Oh. Now they're over. Now they're overwhelmed in their social media connection, yeah. and they're hypnotized and mesmerized by their phone, and they're yeah. selling their. Now, not so much in America, even they do it a lot, but in Jamaica, they sell their soul for a phone. Yeah, and uh, yeah. there's a lot of lot of that that's sad. One thing we have in the schools here is every time they start school, they'll read some scripture and sing a song and say a prayer to start school. That's what touched me most about school here. Versus we don't do that in back in America. That's no. for sure. No. And they don't let guns here. If you got a gun, you're already a bad man. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. We're talking with Reverend Terry Allen Christian, and we're talking about the work he has put together. He is, was guided uh, to put together. What did Jesus say? This is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you so much for uh, being with us here on Tell Me Your Story, along with my very special guest, Terry Christian. And uh, Terry, of course, has his book available for you at uh, whatdidjesussay.world. Whatdidjesussay.world. We will, Terry, be linked to your website so that people can find out more about the book, get a copy of it. It's also in Audible. Uh, and I tell you what, I am on Audible, and I have credits, and I'm going to get a copy of your book in Audible uh, I also produce Audible books as well. Uh, so I'm going to be listening. I'm going to try not to listen with the producers here, okay? I'm going to I'm going to listen with my heart, not my not my head. <laughs> okay. Well, I also want to give your guests a special uh, discount oh, here if that's okay sure. before we part, okay? Absolutely. I've I've made arrangements on the front of this website for anyone who's financially troubled. They can put in the code here H E A R Hear his words, all one word, and get a free download of the audiobook. They can type in read, R-E-A-D, read his words, and get a free copy of the EPUB or Kindle version. Now, I have an e-special that's $9.95. They're both in it, the, the auto, the audio, audio book and the e-books, a very small amount. And then I have what's called the author special, $19.95. And they get the paperback book and the audio, audio book and the e-book. But if you're financially stressed, I want to make sure that nobody ever goes without a copy of this. That's my commitment to the world. And being able to download it online, that is fine. The rest of you that are rich and you want to help out, you can make a donation <laughs> to my ministry and everything will go well. Please help him out. He, he, uh, he, he is definitely worthy of your support. And uh, we are grateful that you are making a difference in the world in what you are doing. And we thank you for being a part of what we are doing here. Uh, I've said it before, when I was a kid growing up, they said, uh, you know, what you want to do when you get older, uh, you know, you don't want to say, I want to change the world because that's really, really too big. 
Well, I'm now 63 and guess what? I want to change the world. Okay. And through the work that you are doing. And when I say the world, I don't mean the planet. I'm talking about the people. Uh, yeah. We, I think that uh, I think that we can make a difference. We will, and I know that you are, uh, uh, Reverend. I know that you, you are making a thank difference, you. and I thank you for your part in that. Well, I thank you for allowing me to tell my story on your program. Absolutely, and I uh, am honored to be here. And hopefully, one day we get a chance to just have this again and just talk about issues that we talked about little, but talk about them intensively. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say yes. Uh, that, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to make that commitment to you. Yes, let's do that. Let's set up uh, 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 either. Let's a talk monthly... about what we've seen. Let's talk about yeah. what we've seen. Okay, yeah. what we know based on what we've seen, not what we heard. Right, right, what right. We saw. Well, here's what the we thing. Here, well, here's the thing it, that that the media is so technically advanced that I I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people from this point forward. Hey, look, if I was not there with both feet on the ground looking through my eyes at what was happening, it did not happen. I'm sorry, but that's where we are today because technology is such that almost almost anything can be. Uh, created that didn't happen. Absolutely. I said that. Yeah. Oh I even said God. that at nine 11, I was watching the TV and I'm going, wow, this is incredible. What Hollywood's done, <laughs> you know? So that's just, that's just my, my perspective. Sure. If I wasn't there, yeah. I'm sorry, you know, but uh, it didn't happen. Okay. Um, but this did, and I I'm seeing you and I'm hearing you and, and I'm feeling you as well. And I thank you so much for what did Jesus say? Thank you very much for having me. I have three final questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of my program. And I want to ask those of you as well. But before I do, I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, as well as many other locations all over the internet. And I also thank those of you who have been reposting the uh, conversations we've been having. I uh, can't do it all on my own, but then again, I am a one-man band in this particular instance. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing, we have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And we also ask that you do spend some time going within and listening to that still small voice and uh, following the promptings. Uh, and we, we, I guarantee you, I've said this before, I'll say it again. It will never put you in harm's way. It will challenge you. Challenges, it's just challenged me. Uh, but I am the better for it, for following uh, the promptings. And um, so with all of that being said, we are now going to move to those final three questions. And I, I love asking these questions because uh, I get different answers uh, I will tell you just very briefly that I asked uh, the, this first question of my first uh, of one of my guests and following my question, there was nothing but silence. Who is Terry Allen Christian? I am the Lord's disciple. I am trained and taught and walk in his words. And I'm here to teach what did Jesus say without adding any opinions of my own. I know who I am. 
What is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to help. H-E-L-P stands for helping everyone live peacefully and productively. Mm. And I believe we do that by walking in the love, light, and truth spoken by Jesus, taught to him by God, his Mm. Father. And finally, what was your best day? My best day. When my daughter was born, I wasn't there. I was preoccupied in earthly responsibilities with my dad, thinking that, you know, my mom could take care of things. And then I met my daughter one week later. And when I saw her, my life changed instantaneously. I was no longer in a troubled relationship with my dad. I was now in love, light, and truth with my daughter, and I was a dad. It changed me forever. And I raised her by myself from age six on. So her and I are tight and right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, again, I thank you for uh, being a part of this program and sharing your story. And we look forward to having you back to have some of those uh, uh, more in-depth conversations. I look forward to the fellowship and the intensity we would bring out of each other talking (laughs) about what we've actually seen and witnessed in our lifetime. Here, here. Have a blessed day. And you too. I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol, Jeanette, I am listening, and dad, be happy. <laughs>